get ready for all things finances. On the Start With Christy podcast, we are celebrating the launch of a three-part course series, Start Knowing Your Numbers. In honor of our launch, we'll be focusing on financial podcasts throughout the month of May. Each week, we will be bringing in experts from different areas to talk about everything from budgeting, retirement, financial planning, teaching your kids about money, and even the emotional aspect and how we relate to money. If you are ready for a deeper dive into your own personal finances, are ready for a system and to be more organized, you can check out startknowingyournumbers.com today. All right, you guys, I am so excited to have with me today, Roger Whitney. Anyone that thinks retirement planning is boring clearly hasn't met either of us because this is going to be a really fun and exciting chat. Um, You haven't also had a conversation with the retirement answer man is not so alter ego, Roger Whitney. He's fun, fresh perspective on money and life turns financial planning from something people don't need to do to something that they cannot wait to do. In his book, Rock Retirement, Roger proves that there is no magic number or accurate retirement calculator. There is just you and your financial planner having the right conversations, finding confident answers to meaningful questions and setting your priorities according to how you want to live and keep living your life long after you stop working. Uh, Roger, thank you so much for being here. You bet. I am ready to start. That's what we do here. That's what we do. That's that's my word, start. Um, and I love talking numbers, and I get that that's kind of a weird thing. Like, we like talking numbers. Most people cringe at the thought of talking numbers. Or you go to have that conversation about numbers, and people don't want to, like, like, there's a society thing where people don't want to, like, reveal things or feel like some sort. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, are intimidating uh, for a lot of people. Uh, and I think financial planning and retirement planning in general is set up, I think, to turn people off of getting into those conversations because it's intimidating. One, just the legacy of how our industry grew as, and, and, and the positioning that advisors typically give themselves of we're this, this, we're the smartest people in the world and we're in these beautiful offices and just give us your information and do what we say that all that stuff's a pretty big turnoff when you want to get into planning. Yep. So Uh, I actually have a finance degree and I actually was going the route of your route. Um, and I kind of diverted and my life took me a completely different, uh, direction. And I feel like even though I had the degree, um, and even though I really, I was never taught finances from my parents, they emulated it to some degree. I had a, had one parent that was really stingy with money and you thought that we were like, weren't going to have food on the table. And then another parent that was like, here, I'll slip you a little bit, like trying to, they had both very different relationships with money. So it was kind of interesting, my upbringing and how it kind of emulated and how it kind of brought me to who I was. But I feel like it wasn't until life experience, right? The businesses or the bad decisions or the mistakes and, and, life learning how to run robust households on budgets and doing all the different things that I really didn't realize, like it's essential. Like financial planning is essential, like to be able to do anything. It is. I mean, and outside of, you know, you put retirement aside, it's just being a good steward, just like you have to be in a business. And so, you know, we have in our rock retirement club, we have a subgroup and maybe I'll share this with you. We have a subgroup called the spreadsheet geeks. So you <laughs> Would I qualify? <laughs> a lot of people don't, right? They they, yeah. they can do a spreadsheet, but it's intimidating. So then the question is, how do you set up si- systems to have the right conversations about money if you're not that super geek right. and you're a mom or you're a dad and you got a career and you got multiple kids and you have 
life to live, it's easy to keep putting those conversations off, especially if they're intimidating. Sure. So the, how do you set up those systems to be able to do it at whatever level you are on the geek scale? Sure. Well, today I specifically want to educate everybody a little bit more and even myself, because I don't, I don't live in this, this financial advisor world. And um, it's actually, I, I even need to sit down and dial in, you know, once a year, I try to do with that with my financial advisor and so much has changed. It's almost like once a year, you can't even do that anymore. Um, Cause the nature of the landscape of what we've all lived through, we've seen how quickly things can change. And I think if anything, the thing that I've been taught these last couple of years from a financial perspective is having a plan, but diversity, um, making sure that you are diversified so that if something, you know, dips or if something, you know, doesn't go as planned that you do have a backup plan or you do have, you know, people say, if you're not, if you're not, if you have a plan B, you're not, you're not fully engaged in plan A. And it's like, no, if you don't have a plan B, you're being stupid. Like you need a plan B. I'm going to go after plan A, but my plan B is going to be in my back pocket so that I know I can chase after plan A. Um, so what do you tell people, I guess, that, that hasn't really done much retirement conversations or planning? When should these conversations start coming up? When should this start happening? Well, first off, let's talk about the word retirement. It's a silly word that really doesn't have a meaning in the traditional sense. So one thing I explain to people, especially if they're under 50, is that you know, retirement traditionally is probably what we thought of as our grandparents. You know, they, they, they work forever in a factory or wherever they work. And then retirement for them was finally being able to rest and sit on the park bench of life. Modern retirement for like, I just turned 54 for people like me and above. If you talk to them, which I talked to, you know, them via the podcast and many other things, it's not about sitting on the park bench. It's about, I finally have the chance to live life on my own terms and go experience life. It's about that time freedom because they worked in the corporate world and right. weren't able to go do, do things. And unlike their grandparents who died four or five years after they retired, people now when they retire are going to live 30 plus years in retirement. So they're more about experiences. So I'm not a big fan of the word of retirement. Now, you told me how old you were, and I will not expose that. on the <laughs> Most people know. I don't care. <laughs> and if you're under 40 is don't think too much about retirement in that. Think about how do you start to make little decisions to start to gain more freedom in your life, more time freedom, because what's interesting and this is a lesson I think your generation can learn, which makes me feel old just saying that. Look at you talking down your generation. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> valuable lesson here. And I'm not, so don't you throw the okay boom at me. Uh, <laughs> one, one lesson I think you can learn from your parents or from me, who I only work with clients that are transitioning into retirement. So they're in their mid 50s into their 60s they bought into the concept of I need to save and invest and save and invest and sacrifice my life to be happy later on. That was the, the sell to retirement planning for that generation. And what they're discovering is when they get there, even if they've saved enough money, they don't want to stop doing things. So most of them end up working, but just not because they necessarily need the money, but they're working 
because they are have a lot to give. We were meant to do things. They're just doing it on their own terms. So I think if you're in your 20s, 30s, or even 40s, rather than try to hit a quote unquote retirement number, which I think is a bad way to think about it, is to start thinking, how do you make a lot of little financial decisions and career decisions to set yourself up to have more time freedom, right? So that could be leaving your day job to run a business. That could be having a career, but being able to work remotely. It could be a good example is my, I have a team and I have three or four women who are all mothers. They're all wicked smart. And we found a way where they all work remotely. They all manage their own hours. So they're able to have all the balance and time freedom. So if but they don't have sick, to, they don't have to own the business. <laughs> They don't have to own the business. They can work for someone where they can be part of something that they believe in, make money, intellectually contribute and be stimulated and have time freedom to do all the other roles. So the key is how do we set ourselves up to have more time freedom, I think is a better way to approach it. I think that you hit the nail on the head. Um, even looking at that, I think my parents are like in their 50s. Um, I feel like they've worked they work like crazy. I actually grew up saying I am not going to be an entrepreneur. Like I got a finance degree saying I am not going to do what my parents do because they work all the time. And now I feel like here I am four companies later, <laughs> you know, you know, we, a lot of times we emulate, we see things and we're like, we don't want to do that. But to, to your point, my parents, I don't feel like I've enjoyed all of their hard work. Um, and I'm like, you guys like, and I think as you get older too, your health starts to decline. It's like do stuff like that's the biggest thing. And I think that one of the biggest lessons that I want to learn is creating financial freedom around work-life balance, being able to integrate. Like it's not about this huge balance thing. I actually wrote a book called Start Balancing, but it's the whole thing. It's not just about balance, about integration um, on being able to do what you love and what you're passionate about. And not just stressing about all the worries and all the plans. And you're talking to someone that's, a planner, right? Um, yeah. But I don't have a huge financial plan. I really don't. I mean, I've, I've, I have different things and built things and, and even my financial plan in my head is very different than probably what a financial advisor would tell me what to do. Well, he, that makes it, sense. it does. And like what you talk about in terms of your parents, I had the same thing with my mom and dad who ran, or my mom and stepfather who ran a business, they were entrepreneurs. And my mom, who was a single mother, for most of her, my life, and then remarried, there's a lot of pressure to just keep it all working. And she was a single mother in the seventies and opportunities were a lot less than they are now. And she and I used to have all these active debates of sort of like you and your parents, maybe of, Hey, you need to chill and enjoy some life today. And she always had this framework in her head. And I, and I talk about in the book of, well, I will, I will enjoy myself when I get to quote unquote retirement. And I being young at the time in my twenties was like, no, YOLO, you got to live a little bit now. There's a balance. And, and I think this really informed for me how I work in my practice and in the rock retirement club is she never got there. She died when she was 48. Hmm. And so it's easy to sacrifice your life for being, you know, for this promise of this freedom later on, but you, you, and, and it's set up incorrectly. And so when you talk about retirement planning, and to your point, I think, Christy, about financial planners is 
The biggest problem in retirement planning and financial planning is the investments are the hub of everything. The entire financial planning process and retirement planning process is focused on essentially, this is how much you should save to fill the gap. This is how much money you could, should keep sending to your 401k or your investment portfolio. And then just keep doing it. And if you can send more, do it. Because everything is around the hub of the investment portfolio and hoping that returns happen in historical ways. Um, that's a horrible way to plan uh, for a lot of different reasons. Because one, life is a, in business is a lot more multidimensional and two, that zaps the most important thing we all have, which is agency, the ability to have control over in, in some way of all the little decisions that we make. So that's, I think, financial planning. You want to look for advisors that don't think just about investments because that's really all they're trained in. Right. Here is a little brief commercial break to tell you a little bit more about Start Knowing Your Numbers. It is a three-part course series. The first part is going to be understanding your credit, which will help you to understand what affects your credit store, how it impacts you, and how to actually improve it. The second module is going to be Budgeting Simplified, which walks you through how to create budgets a couple different ways. I'm also going to be showing you my way and giving you a system of organization so that you can really start making solid projections for your future. The third module is going to be advanced home accounting. I am going to be teaching how I run my home finances just like I run my business finances. Even if this method is not for you, the terminology and the information that you will learn here will leave you never making a financial decision the same. I have always had a love for numbers and finances, and I cannot wait to share with you what I have learned. It has honestly been through hard stuff and over a decade of business and home experience that I have had developed the system, honestly, out of necessity. And I cannot wait to share with you what it is, how it works, and how it can impact and help your life. If you are feeling confused on finances or need a system of organization, check out Start Knowing Your Numbers today. So let me ask you this. Um, as someone in their 20s, 30s, 40s, what what do you say, you know, as far as do you, do you advise people to have a rainy day account? Do you have, I, I do a bucket system is what I do. So it's just something I like made up and it's just visual. I have one checking account, it's called my flow account, and then I have savings accounts. Those savings accounts are for my escrow of my house or my estimated taxes or, so everything's kind of automated. I treat those as bills and they just go in saving in savings accounts, you know, when they're ready to pull out. When I'm doing something to my house, I do the same thing. It's like, I'm not doing it on debt. You know, I'm doing it on, when I have the money there, I can actually do it. But I think that Traditionally, we've been taught, you know, six months of savings in a rainy day account. What is your kind of, I'm curious, what is your breakdown from a financial advisor's perspective on some allocations? So it's a great question. And you, you do buckets. I do something much more delicious. I call it a pie cake. Uh, that's maybe a conversation for another day. But, but a lot of, you know, a lot of running your personal life is very much like running a business. Right. So yep. you have step one is what do we want? 
right? As a life or as a business. And then you have to generate revenue to provide for the business or our life. That's working income. And then so a business has to generate income just like a family does. We just call it revenue. And then we have to pay our overhead. And once you have revenue or income in this sense, then the next the next bogey is how do I create free cash flow? Right. Which is essentially how much money do I have left over for my income after I pay for the overhead of my life? Sure. Right. Probably. So and I think the younger you are the biggest opportunity you have is to invest in one keeping the cash, keeping the overhead low or manageable but the biggest opportunity you have is increasing your cash flow and there's lots of ways you know investing in yourself and your network and and your engine to create income and then once you create that free cash flow and this is the same logic i'm guessing you go through in all your businesses and i know that i do is now that i have this free cash flow let's say it's a dollar I have a dollar of excess money after I paid my overhead. The question is, what do I do with that dollar? And my hierarchy is, first is the emergency fund. And so the emergency fund, I always call it the airbag, the financial airbag of life. Because it's for when your financial car stops quickly and it helps you absorb that impact so you don't hit the windshield. Right? And okay. so... How much should you have in that airbag? It's, you know, three months, Lord knows where that came from, but let's just use that as the benchmark. And then you can dial that up. If your, your income is very variable, let's say somebody's on commission, or if you're worried about your industry or company, you can start to dial that up in anticipation of a potential shock. Um, if you're a business owner, you know, usually we have more because there's so many shocks that come from all different places. There is? So, what? We have, we yeah, have validity? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then so once you get your airbag in place, then you want to focus on paying off all the bad debts. I'm personally not a big debt person. I have a mortgage, so I'm not, you know, I'm right. not debt-free person, but you want to pay off all the bad debts. And then so once you have your airbag, once you've paid off the bad debts, once you have a sinking fund, sort of like you do for... What I ask, I don't do it with sinking funds like you do, but what I do is say, what do I, what do I see over the next 12 months that I'm going to have to spend money on? Mm -hmm. You know, my real estate taxes, we go to Colorado for a month every year. I know I'm going to have to pay for that. So then I, I build those reserves. And so that takes up a lot of that dollar, maybe initially, but then at the end of it, you have say 50 cents left. Then it's a whole different decision tree of, okay, this now, this 50 cents is my long-term assets. This is money that after I've taken care of anything else, and there's only four or five things you can do with money, right? You can, you can give it away. I'll send my address if you want to Venmo me. You can, <laughs> you can spend it on lifestyle. You can save it as cash and just build up liquidity. You can pay off debt or you can invest it. I can't think of anything else other than those five things. And so of that 50 cents, you may say, well, I'm going to treat myself with this quarter or nickel. And then the rest of it, I'm going to save and, and invest. And so now we know that money's really long-term. And then you start a different decision tree of, do you invest in yourself? Maybe it's in your career to increase your cash flow, because that is an investment. That's not an expense and it's an investment or do you invest in your 401k or IRA or real estate or what have you? And so that's the hierarchy that I go through. 
And I think if you can set up a system to go through that hierarchy in a thoughtful and consistent way, you're going to be 90% of the way there of managing money. I love it. So um, I asked actually this a couple of days ago on a social media platform and people were set, people, a lot of people, majority of Americans, we can look at the studies, are in debt, right? So when looking at that hierarchy you're talking about, do you have a method that you typically share when someone's trying to get out of debt? Um, and we're talking about revolving, you know, credit card debt or that type of thing. Um, I typically just tell people to, you know, and I'm again, not giving advice, but I'm like, if it was, you know, you pick the, most people don't even know what they're paying credit card rate wise. So find out that information first and then put it, put it in hierarchy order. And if you have extra funds after you've paid those minimum, start paying off the highest credit card first, the highest interest. Um, what do you do or to help people navigate that come, you know, and just ask that question, like I'm in debt. How do I get out? I, and I get the logic of paying off the highest interest rate first, because that's a guarantee return, right? Um, I actually am in, in alignment with some of what Dave Ramsey talks about is killing the smallest ones and then rolling the payments onto the next ones. Uh, I, I like that because I think what's really important here, Christy, is having wins. Yep. Right. Well, as humans, it's it's emotional mastery, and a lot of times financial mastery goes back to emotions. And as humans, we thrive when there is progress. Have you studied Tony Robbins? Uh, I am aware of him, but I have not okay. studied him. Okay. But so uh, he, he does a lot on financial and emotional mastery and having wins, like exactly what you yeah. just said. So what we do in our practice, and, I, and we apply this to everything, we use an agile methodology from agile project management. And I think... In planning, really what you want to do is get the wham, right? So the natural question everybody has, let's say you're paying off debt. I have this dollar. The first question is, well, what do I do next with it? Right? What do I do next? That's the W. Okay, if it's paid out, if it's paying off debt, then okay, well, how do I do that? You know, in my version, it would be, well, we're gonna hit the the smallest debt first because we can get that win. So how do I do it? Well, okay, well, we're going to focus on this debt first. And then you create some accountability and assistance so it actually happens. And if you do that and accomplish that with that 50 cents, say, now you have a momentum. You have a win and you have momentum, which leads you back to the next question. Well, now what do I do next? And I think if you can get into that wham cycle, it goes to that psychological part that you're talking about. Because... One thing I do say is, you know, budgeting is a game of inches when it comes to your financial life. And so much is focused on budgeting with budgeting software, spreadsheet geeks, and everything else. And it's a really important thing for sure that you want to be attentive to, but it's a game of inches. Whereas whether you're trying to pay off debt or you're trying to build retirement savings, the biggest lever you have is creating cash flow. So I think people, they know they should, you know, work on, you know, be better at work and get good reviews and everything else. But I think the more intentional we can all be, especially the younger you are, on how do I create cash flow by increasing my earnings power? Uh, if you can really focus on that, things change very quickly because it becomes like a hockey stick. Like in business, we know the hockey stick. You start earning money 
And then as your business grows, you have to keep reinvesting the money. So you really don't get profits, but all of a sudden you hit this inflection point where all of a sudden your free cash flow skyrockets because your overhead slows down and it sort of stabilizes. And it's the same thing in a career journey. Um, so that's like the biggest opportunity I think most people don't focus on enough. Right. A free cash flow and, and what to do with it once it's there. Um, a lot of yeah. times, you know, people have more money, people spend more money. Right. Um, so that's, that's the American a, way. Yeah, that's the American way. So um, it's just a, and I'm, I'm fault for that. I mean, 100%. So it's been interesting to, and I think for me, having budgets, um, I don't know if you're this way, but having budgets, it's kind of a game. It's kind of a competition thing because I like to win and I almost like get in this competition thing with myself. And if you're not someone that's like competitive, or if you know that you're struggling in finances, what you just said, like have a mentor, have an accountability, have like, I'm more mad at myself than anybody else could be. If something doesn't, you know what I'm saying? And the thing is, is we've all learned, been, been learned, like going through COVID I've had, I had businesses that did really well, that was impacted it from a positive. I've had businesses that were, severely impacted from a negative perspective. Yeah. And yeah. I had to figure out how to do this and how to pivot. And I think that that's what we ultimately have to figure out how to learn is we have to come up with this plan, but we have to be open to that pivot. Right. Um, and I think yeah, just definitely. being knowledgeable um, and being really dialed in gives us that ability to pivot. Cause if we're not knowledgeable, then we don't have that ability to pivot or we're doing it too late. So here's a question for you. Uh, let's talk about budgeting. Oh, we're flipping the coin? <laughs> you can't ask. No, I'm kidding. Bring it. Well, I'm going to tell you my perspective on budgeting, which is in alignment, but done very differently than yours. Okay. Go. Because uh, if you're naturally into spreadsheets or budgeting software, it is a game, right? It's, you know, you can see the numbers and you can identify things and control things. So here's a little dirty secret from a full-time retirement planner. I hate the budget. I hate it. I don't track one item by category that I spend. What? You oh. just want the, you just want the overall picture? No. So what I do, well here, I'm just naturally not a budgeter. I, I've worked in software and this is in my personal life. And so the hack that I came up with is the whole point of budgeting, budgeting is as I see it, and you're welcome to disagree. One is to be a good steward of it so you don't inflate your lifestyle and spend unnecessarily, and then to look for opportunities where you can improve it, and then to capture the free cash flow. So the hack that I had for myself, so I had I basically had to face, face this decision. Do I make my make my round self into this square hole of budgeting in, in the way that you talk about, or do I figure out a structure to allow me to accomplish what I want to accomplish without having to become a square. Not that you're a square. I didn't mean square in a bad way. Did you just call me a square? No, I'm <laughs> no, I'm interested. Tell me more. Tell me more. So, so what, what do you do? Was, um, I actually have a, uh, I hate to budget worksheet that goes through it. So here's how I do it in my personal life and a little bit in my business. So we have, we set up different accounts. So we have an account called an income account. And all the money that we earn goes into that income account. And then through some trial and error, we set up our normal checking account. And then at the beginning of every month, we journal over X amount to the spending account. Okay. So you said journal over. You're keeping books on your personal finances. 
but I don't know what once. Well, I, of course I keep books. I keep a net worth statement, right? Okay. So, so, so let's assume so you are assume, planning a little bit. So oh, I see I, what I'm not saying don't plan. Okay. I'm, I'm definitely not saying don't plan. So let's just make up numbers. Let's say $10,000 comes into the income account. Okay. And when I log into my bank, I don't see that account. And then at the beginning of every month, I journal over, say, 8000 to my checking account. And that's our budget to spend on our life. How we spend that money, I don't pay any attention to. I don't care where the grocery category is or where my, my fountain pen category is or whatever. I, all I know is that account slowly gets down to zero or close to it by the end of Every the month. month. Yeah. And then, so what I did there was I freed myself from reconciling all the categories and I captured in this example, 2000 in free cash flow in that income account. And then every quarter or six months, I'll go to that income account and I'll say, oh, this money built up. Let me go make decisions with it. And I go through the hierarchy I talked about. Okay. So uh, let's talk about, I mean, just, I mean, I guess y'all probably then mentally have a lot of structure, meaning like you're not going to Whole Foods and in oh, yeah, good point. Al shop. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that's, I, I, I'm seeing what you're doing and why you're doing it. But I think that's also because you probably have um, an immense amount of routine and structure in your daily life. Can I agree? Can you agree with that? Well, and I think the one thing, yes, you can agree with that. And the one thing I haven't talked about is, okay, how much do you journal over every month? You do have to do some, you do have to know your numbers. Yep. You have to know your numbers and what you your do. rhythm is. You And that's the thing so you is you have, have to a, get on the front end for sure. Yes. And so you have a rhythm and you have a cadence that you've already kind of set. Um, yes. And so for me personally, I've moved twice in the last two years, renovations, um, like there's not been a cadence. I mean, I feel like I, I now have a cadence and I try to like, I do it 90, 90 day span. So I think that if anyone that's listening to this and you, you do know your cadence and you do know your rhythm, sure. You don't have to dial completely in. Like someone asked me, like, do you know how much you're spending on, each individual utility. And I'm like, well, I could run a report on that if I wanted it. But, but no, I just have a category utility. Like, yeah. And I can see yeah. if there's a variance um, and, and be able to be like, hmm, something's wrong. Do I have a pipe that's busted? You know, but I'm not, I don't care what my individual utility bill is. Um, yeah, and you make a really good point because they're all, there's always, you know, the, 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 the dirty secret about one-off events, you know, like moving or, you know, we did something in the backyard is there's always a one-off event. Absolutely. So <laughs> they never ending. It's never ending. Uh, and so you definitely have to intentionally go, you know, go grab extra money. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just building that intentionality of, I agree to spend $8,000. It's okay to spend more, but it's going to trigger a conversation as to why you're doing it. And then you can go back and figure out if it's just too much whole foods or if it's for something that's really intentional. Sure. And so I yeah. think that why your method works. I think it's great. And I think if, if you, if someone gets into a cadence of life and knowing their numbers and planning on the front end, um, I think that most people don't, I don't think most people, you know, know what even their overhead is per month. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent and you um, definitely have to know your numbers. So I think that that's, that's just really my heart and my mission. Um, I think that a lot of people don't know their numbers and, uh, have been in really unfortunate situations, whether it be a death or just in a situation they don't want to be in anymore. And um, knowing your numbers um, and knowing what to do in an instance that something does happen 
um, and being able to, like I, I say, if you're in a household and you have a partnership or a marriage or whatever it is, you don't, you don't have to have two CFOs. Like there's not two CFOs in a company, but in the instance that one is down or one is out, you need each of you guys to be able to be a CFO. Um, that's just, yeah, and you also need to know your numbers enough. And I'm, I'm curious with how you do this of, cause I know I've been married 30 years and for a good part of our life, we didn't is you have to, you know, if one person is a CFO, there's always this natural delegation of, uh, of obligations or duties in the household. And when, but you, knowing your numbers, you want to set it up so you can have healthy conversations about the numbers rather than numbers that feel like uh, attacks or you sure. know, recriminations about spending and everything else, right? You have to set up healthy conversations. Otherwise, everybody just goes down into their, you know, puts their head in the hole and, and doesn't address it. That's sure. when problems happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. So what was your question as far as me for that? Oh, so how do you have healthy conversations? What, you know, what, what would you suggest? So it's not, Hey, why did you spend this much money at whole foods? But Hey, we did this, you know, what are some of your tricks for how you have healthier conversations? Well, as a single mom that has three kids, so I'm, I'm you your don't mom. Have to worry about it. I don't have to have that conversation. I'm having that conversation with myself. Um, you know, I think that one day that conversation might happen again. Um, if it does, then I feel like I'm, I'm very equipped to have that conversation. Um, I don't know. It would be hard. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, it's I can't. It's yeah. Hard. It's hard. Um, and I think just like you said, having it's, it's gotta be trust though, when you're entering in a partnership relationship, whatever it is, I mean, a business partnership, a actual romantic relationship, there has to be trust there. Like you said, naturally one person usually takes like takes, takes control and handles all that kind of detail stuff. Um, and uh, being able to navigate conversations and have those conversations. I mean, I was married for 12 years and um, that was never really a big issue. Uh, so I, I think we both, you know, did well with that. Um, but I can't really answer it now and today, like, cause, <laughs> and I think that to, to your mother's point, like I understand your mom because it, everything kind of depends on your mom. Your mom was what put food on the table for you and your, I don't know if you had siblings. Um, yeah, two sisters, just, older. two sisters. So I understand that yeah. her, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a, a, a layer of a weight that comes with that. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It, it, you can never feel completely comfortable because you're obli oh. you're responsible for everybody. It's hard. Yep. It is. Yeah. So mad respect for, for the other people that are in those, in those situations. Yeah, and so well, I, and I think, and so I think when it comes to retirement planning, a lot of this stuff is, you know, you know what I say is, well, even if it's with yourself, it's to set up systems to have lots of little conversations where you answer, what do I do next? How do I do it? Some assistance and accountability. And if you get into a rhythm of these little conversations, you're going to notice whether you should increase your emergency fund. You're going to notice if you're earning more money and it's starting to build up so you can allocate it correctly. You're going to notice overspending or underspending. A lot of it is just having that structure with those little conversations where people get in trouble. And you, 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 you talked about this very clearly is when we just get so busy and we don't have these little conversations and things become bigger conversations. Sure. Right. And the big conversation could be, oh my goodness, I'm in so much debt. Or it could be, I should have seen that I was losing my job. Now what do I do? But the, the other big conversation could be, 
I have all this money laying around that's not productive. That's a big conversation too, because you've just missed out. Sure. And I think that's the kind of system that sets up and it all starts off with knowing your numbers. Yep, it does. Well, we have gone 33 minutes and normally we're around 20 minutes. So <laughs> we could keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. I talk about stuff all day long. So um, I guess to finish up, to wrap it up, someone that, that wants to get a more financial plan, how does someone find someone? Do you recommend interviewing a couple different financial advisors? Do you work with, do you work with people remotely? Like I know you said you generally work with a specific person, a specific niche, people that are entering in the retirement. Yes. Um, is what you said. How, how can someone find that right person for them? What, what, what is your advice? So I, I definitely think um, looking, it depends, you have to figure out the, the advice, you know, what do you need to solve for? So I think the XY Planning Network is a great place to look for advisors. Uh, t, the the uh, National Association of Fee-Based Financial Planners is a good place to look for advisors. And they'll have advisors that are generally fiduciaries, some will work on an hourly basis. Some will work on a retainer basis. Um, and, and you definitely want to interview them. And I think when you're, when you're interviewing financial planners and advisors, and we have a worksheet of how to interview people, what you really want to do is obviously the connection, but you're really helping the, you're really buying, you know, buying what you're buying is their thinking, their decision-making process. Sure. So a lot of it isn't about this great investment strategy I have. A lot of it is about finding somebody that has a fairly well thought out process because really they're going to become a decision-making partner. I love it. And so where can everyone find you? Well, uh, rogerwhitney.com is my home on the web and we have the okay. retirement answer man podcast where we focus on not how not just to survive life in retirement, but to really rock it. I love it. I love it. Roger, thank you so much for this conversation. Um, this was very insightful and just honestly a fun conversation, I guess, two geeks that could just talk about finance. So I hope that <laughs> everybody listening here was inspired and, you know, something that might seem um, overwhelming, maybe that this will help them to have those hard conversations or the uncomfortable conversations, because once you have them, it's not really that uncomfortable. It's not that so, bad. It's good. It's not. All right. Thank you, Roger. And you guys, we will be back next week. Thank you again so much for being here. If you haven't done so, please also take a moment and subscribe to the Start With Christy podcast. And just remember, we'll be back next month with our normal calendar of motivation, inspiration, helping you to continue starting to be your best self.